Hey everybody, this is Sam with West Virginia Overtime, and this is the next episode of Paranormal Review. We are actually going to do Ghost Adventures this time. We are doing the 2019 Halloween special that they did, and they're calling it The Curse of the Harrisville Farmhouse. Now, for those of you who don't really know what this is. This is the Conjuring House. They can't call it that. Um, the gentleman that owns it now, Corey Heinzman, was calling it the Conjuring House on different podcasts and TV and radio shows that he was going on, and they threatened to sue him. So that is uh, one reason why Ghost Adventures did not call it the Conjuring house when they were promoting it or that's not the episode title however they open up telling you that this is the house that the conjuring movies are based on and when they said that and they started going through some of the history of it i realized oh i've heard of this um, not because I've seen any of the movies. I, if this is your first time listening to me on Paranormal Review, I have already admitted that I am a total scaredy cat. I do not watch, uh, horror movies or scary movies or anything like that. Uh, Ghost Adventures actually was my first TV show, um, about the paranormal that I have ever seen, and I got into it because of the guys in their relationships. Um, they were really funny in the beginning as far as how they um, interacted with each other, and that's kind of what drew me in. Plus, they did a lot of history. So, that's kind of how I got started watching paranormal TV. So, I hadn't heard of this house because I have watched scary movies or anything like that. I'm sure many of you have seen The Conjuring. Feel free to contact me and tell me where I'm wrong. I'm not going to talk about the movie that much or anything like that. But, um, what I, where I have gotten my information and my memories of this is through podcasts. I absolutely love podcasts. I listen to a lot of them. And um, I didn't realize when the Conjuring movies came out that there was kind of a disagreement. And the disagreement happens between the Perones or the Perons, however you want to pronounce it, um, the family that actually went through it, and Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, Ed and Lorraine Warren were the investigators, and the movies are kind of based on their case files. The Perons were not really involved in it. And so, I guess when the movies came out, there were a lot of liberties taken, according to the Perons, in the movie. And the Warrens, of course, said there weren't. 
And so there was this kind of discrepancy going on. So based on the podcasts that I've listened to, um, I haven't listened to a lot of them. I, I really would like to, to do some research into this, but I looked up, um, I've listened to three or four um, just over the last year or so. I've re-looked them up because my uh, podcatcher has a history on them and just kind of quickly went through them to refresh my memory. One of them I listened to is called 222 Paranormal Podcast. It has an interview with Andrew uh, Perron, and it's not very long. Uh, She's mostly kind of talking about herself, um, talking about what has happened since uh, she lived in that house. She was a little girl when they lived there. She has wrote three books since then on it, and they are about her family. They are about her dealings in the house, the actual conjuring case, and then her life kind of afterwards. Um, she talks about in that podcast how they are a Catholic family, and they attended one church where a priest actually asked them to go worship elsewhere, that he got a weird feeling from them and just said, will you please go worship elsewhere? Um In this podcast, she talks about how she guesses the first movie called The Conjuring. Uh, Only about 5% of it is totally accurate. She said that they took a lot of liberties and that Lorraine Warren signed off on a lot of stuff that just did not flat out happen. Um... She was told that as a a little girl to stay quiet about the house and not mention it at school or to any of her friends. And in this podcast, it was a couple years ago, she says that she wants to buy the house and she wants to open it up to everyone and that she believes there is a portal there. And so I find it a little bit interesting. We're going to get into the Ghost Adventures episode in here just a second. But I wanted to kind of give you some background before we get into the episode. But I find it very interesting that Andrea is a part of this episode. And years ago, she gave this podcast and talked about a portal. And so... I'm wondering if that's where Ghost Adventures got a lot of their information. I've listened to, like I said, two or three podcasts. Um, One um, I know was the Ghost Magnet podcast, and it's uh, by Bridget off of um, the Playboy Mansion fame podcast. the girls that lived with you, Hefner, I can't remember the TV show right now, but she has her own podcast, and it's called Ghost Magnet, and she uh, interviewed Corey Heisman uh, right after he bought the house. Um, he had only been in it about a month or so. 
Um, another interview that I saw was an interview that Corey did with Daniel Claus, who owns the Hinsdale House. That's on his Facebook page. And you, it's Daniel K-L-A-E-S, or you can, I, I don't know if it's on his Hinsdale house page or not, but um, he did a video interview with Corey. Um, and I'm just going to kind of quickly kind of go over the details of, of that because they didn't show Corey that much and he didn't give a lot of the background and the history of the house as he knew it, which was kind of shocking to me um, that he didn't do that. Usually, Ghost Adventures interviews who owns the house about their experiences. And in this episode, they brought Andrea Perone in and uh, Carl and Keith Johnson and kind of relied on them a little more. I was shocked that Ghost Adventures didn't go into town and research or do any kind of fact-finding. Um, they talked to Corey's friend, Bill Brooks, but did not talk to anyone in town. And so that, that was just kind of shocking to me. So, um, Corey bought this house in July of 2019, and he's kind of started giving interviews in August of 2019 he wanted to kind of be in the house and get a feeling for it before he started giving interviews and talking to people and um, really publicizing it he also was uh, almost immediately reached out to by um, someone contacted him from Ghost Adventures. No, it was not Zach, Aaron, Billy, or Jay. It was someone with their production team as soon as they saw that he had bought it and they wanted to set up an investigation and they had to get the logistics right and everything. He talked about how because they were actually the first ones to reach out to him. That's why he agreed for Ghost Adventures to actually come there. Um, he didn't, you know, pick anyone. It was just that they were the first ones to actually reach out. And so, through Daniel's interview and Bridget's interview, he kind of talks. He's a retired Marine, and he met and married his high school sweetheart. They have two kids, and he has been a paranormal investigator for quite a while. And that's one of the things that kind of piqued his interest in order to buy um, this, this particular house. Uh, when they interviewed him, like I said, he had only owned the house about a month. And when you think of it, it's October of 2019 right now. So, really, he's only owned the house about three months as is. Um, 
but he said, you know, that after owning the house a month, that yes, they had started experiencing some things, and um, he was asked, had he ever experienced anything paranormal before moving to this house? And he answered yes, and that's where it came out that he was a paranormal investigator. His first experience was as a Marine. They were on an old battlefield. He did not say where, but they were doing some training. And um, he experienced uh, getting woke up by musket fire on this old Civil War battlefield. And he said there were a lot of Marines in his unit that actually were woke up by this. They all heard the same thing. And before this, he had never experienced the paranormal and never really had an interest in it. So after he did this, um, he went on his first ghost investigation to Rolling Hills Asylum that's up in New York. And there he saw shadow figures and he heard door slams. And after that, you know, he, his wife went with him. And after that, he and his wife went sporadically. And then they started trying to go somewhere every month to six weeks. Um, until he, you know, found out about the house being on the market and decided that they were going to buy it. Um, since then, they haven't been on any paranormal investigations. But he talked about how he had been to Whaley House, he's been to Bobby Mikey's, he's been to Pennhurst, and he talked about how expensive it got to go to these places to do ghost investigations, either with his team or, um, you know, just in a group or whatever. And yes, I said he belongs to a paranormal team. Uh, he has belonged to two of them in the past. The one that he currently um, is involved in is, they call themselves the Misfit Toy Team. After the Rudolph the Reindeer um, TV show about the island of misfit toys they feel that they are the misfit toy team um he used the words and i quote that they were a ragtag paranormal team now before that though he belonged to maine paranormal uh, and it is a taps-based team so he is familiar with the uh jason hall's Grant Wilson, uh, formulatic uh, process protocol way of investigating. And that kind of shocks me because um, they, you know, go about it in a certain way. And we talked about it that in the first podcast of Paranormal Review with the history of TAPS and Ghost Hunters and Ghost Nation, um, what 
their process and protocol actually is in order to investigate a house and that's not ghost adventures so it really shocked me to hear this and go back through this um that he chose them to do it first um i'm going to be interested in watching over the next year year and a half two years if ghost hunters or ghost nation go and investigate this location and they do it in a different way but in in his interviews he talked about how he actually had did research and that's the reason why i'm shocked that um ghost adventures didn't talk to him about the history he found out through going through um the county clerk's office and the courthouse that the house was actually deeded in 1680 but it wasn't actually finished until 1736 and it didn't become famous and become get on the radar until 1971 when Lorraine and Ed Warren kind of came into the picture and started kind of publicizing their findings and everything. He talked about how there were eight generations of the same family, which is the Arnolds that is talked about in the Ghost Adventure episode, had lived in the home before it was sold to the Perrons. Um, there were numerous murders and suicides that have been documented on the property and then the perrons lived there had their experience and then the next set of owners did not experience anything nothing zero nada they did not want any publicity whatsoever uh when the movie came out they got extremely tired of the fans he said that the police got tired of coming out there and running fans off um he did not mention what the police officer mentioned in the ghost adventures episode where they were getting sick and having to call an ambulance or the police to come out in the middle of the night. Corey didn't mention that. However, he found out about this home being for sale by that family on a Facebook forum kind of group. It, it talked about it being for sale and he jumped on it and immediately went uh, to find the phone number. The house has five bedrooms and two baths. Um, there's a pond. The house sits alongside a river. And there's a barn on the property. And they own uh, several acres. Um, he talked about the house being in very good condition. Except that it had a couple floor, floor joists that needed fixed. And he was going to get on that immediately uh he mentioned the movie was not filmed there and um he on that podcast encouraged everyone to read andrea's books and not watch the movie he said he felt that andrea's books were more the truth than the movies and that he and his family are not scared that he is just nervous he said if him or his wife were scared of the house then they wouldn't have bought it 
They had been there a month when, like I said, all these podcast interviews took place. And he said then, if he would have been scared, he would have sold it. He's He has had him, his team, he's had friends. Um, they stay there at night. His family usually does not stay there at night. And they have never, none of them, have ever felt a demonic presence. Um, and they don't feel really nervous or scared. He then went into talking about how the movies are based on Ed and Lorraine Warren's files. And he did not want to say that they were wrong. Um, he said, you know, I wasn't around in the 70s when all of this was taking place. He said, I have no idea. He obviously could not talk to Ed or Lorraine Warren because both have passed. And he has been in contact with Andrea Perron. He said that Andrea and Roger have visited the house. Again, this was in August. And uh, that Andrea is very adamant that no exorcism has ever taken place there but that the Warrens say that they performed one. Um, he said that Roger Perron told him that the Warrens were only there four or maybe five times in ten years. He also talks about um, the last time them being there that Lorraine Warren brought a medium and that Roger did Roger Perron did not want that medium to be there. However, they insisted on conducting a seance. The medium was in charge. During it, Caroline, which was Roger's wife and Andrea's mother, had problems. And like it was said in the Ghost Adventure episode, her chair was picked up and thrown across the room. Roger stated to Corey that he went to rush to her to check her and make sure she was okay and see if he needed to call someone. And Ed Warren stopped him, almost tackling him, and said, she's been touched by evil, and you can't touch her. And he supposedly uh, then shoved Ed Warren and hit him. He went and checked on his wife made sure she was okay, and then immediately kicked Roger and, or excuse me, kicked Ed and Lorraine Warren out. And as he was kicking them out, he walked outside with them and told them they were never to come back. And so Ed and Lorraine Warren were never back in the house after that. And Roger Perron says that he was never in contact with them after that. 
Now, Corey also in these podcasts talks about how he has invited Carl and Keith Johnson back into the home and allowed them to do walkthroughs. You saw them tonight on Ghost Adventures on that on the episode. He says in those interviews, Carl and Keith, this was their first case and that they were 17 years old at the time. And they stayed on the Perron case the whole entire time. They had been there a couple times while Ed and Lorraine Warren were there, but they were not there and present at the seance. But he said that they have come back down and did walkthroughs, and um, also Roger and Andrea Perron have did walkthroughs. And again, these are podcasts in August of 2019 before Ghost Adventures showed up. So they had been in the house and had been talking to Corey way before Ghost Adventures showed up. Ghost Adventures actually filmed this in September of uh, 2019. Corey talks about how he's experienced knocks, uh, heard footsteps. He's had some objects manipulated. He hasn't seen them, but they, when he comes into a room, they obviously have been moved. Um, he has set up REM pods throughout the house and they have gone on and off. He has set up cameras in every room. They're stationed in the corners of the rooms and they film 24-7. He has a room that has nothing but servers and all of his Ethernet cords, wireless cords, um, everything with the internet in them so that the cameras can run 24-7. He said they have caught uh, doors opening and closing. Um, So I'm a little shocked that with him having so many cameras up, I mean, it's not just, he talks about how it's not just one camera per room and how this is, you know, it's all recorded and they go through it. He has friends, he has members of his paranormal team going through it so that they could catch stuff. So I can't believe none of this was told or shown on the Ghost Adventures episode. Um, He talks about how he's gotten a few EVPs, but that he had sent them away to be cleaned up. He could not tell what they were saying. He could not tell whether they were male or female, and the voices were very, very raspy. He said on his cameras that he does catch orbs, but he expects them and pretty much totally rules any orbs out because of it's an old house and there's dust all over the place from renovations and from it just being old. He said he does get some bright lights on the cameras with... um no sounds. He said he's never picked up any sounds when the bright lights shone. He's seen shadow figures 
and his friends have seen shadow figures out of the corner of their eye, but they have yet to document them on any camera. Now remember, he has several cameras in every room, and he hasn't been able to document them. They had been running a month at this time. He said that there are people that have always told them that the open well in the basement is a portal. He says he doesn't know. He hadn't been there long enough. He said, I have really concentrated on getting the house safe. I have, I'm working on renovating it. But I'm not going to change anything. He said he's not going to alter the layout or anything in it. But he said, you know, that's what he's been concentrating on. Plus installing the cameras and installing paranormal investigating equipment. Because he wants to document this and, you know, be able to show it. He feels... The whole Bathsheba story, which you hear about in Ghost Adventures and we'll talk about, he said he totally feels that that is totally false. Um, Lorraine Warren said that Bathsheba was a witch. He investigated this and found um, that the actual Bathsheba, like it was said in the Ghost Adventures episode, lived away from the house. She never lived in the house or anything. And she is buried in town in a cemetery on consecrated ground. And he said witches cannot be buried on consecrated ground. So if anyone at that time thought that she was a witch or that she had murdered an infant like the story says then she would not have been buried on consecrated ground he said that if any of you are driving by and are in um the rhode island area Feel free, if he is outside, to pull up and stop and talk. He said he doesn't care to talk about the house at all. He just asks that if they are not outside, that you do not come up and knock on the door or anything because they may be having family time or he may be in the middle of doing an experiment or an investigation, and you may interrupt it. He also talks about how people are stopping in the middle of the road to take pictures, and he asks that people do not do that. Please do not stop in the middle of the road because he said that several people have almost gotten hit from cars coming around the curb and that it is now in front of city council to see if he can get it zoned for city council to open it up for investigators he says on these podcasts that were taped in august that he hopes to have that done by november now i checked his facebook website which is 
called The Farm on Round Top Road. Um, it is not open yet for investigators, but he is working on it and hopes to have it open soon. Every interview that I've heard him do so far, he has talked about opening it up to paranormal investigators and trying to open it up cheap so that anybody can come and investigate it and not have to pay an um, you know, an extraordinary amount or an expensive amount like some of these other famous places have. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to take a little bit of a break and I'm going to get a drink because as you guys can hear, I'm getting a little raspy myself. And we're actually going to break down um, Ghost Adventures episode. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to be real matter of fact, like I have been so far. I'm not going to go extremely into detail. I'm not like some other podcasts either. I'm not going to make fun of Ghost Adventures. Um, I'm just going to point out what um, is a little weird to me or the skeptic in me might have done differently or something that I liked or something I didn't like or something like that. Um, the only thing that you'll hear me um, make fun of in this this paranormal review episode is going to be um, this jacket that Zach is wearing. But we'll get to that in a minute. Let's take a break. Hey everybody, I wanted to tell you about Anchor. It's what I'm using to make this podcast. I use it not only because it's free, but because it's easy. I can record and broadcast anything and everything right from my phone, or I can use a computer. It allows me to edit things, and it has everything I need just in one place. And not only that, you can make money from your podcasts. But what you have to do is you've got to go download the free Anchor app. Go to anchor.fm just to get started. And then send me a link. I want to hear your podcast. Alright guys, I'm back. This is Sam with West Virginia Overtime doing a paranormal review on Ghost Adventures Halloween Special. Um, and like I said, they call it the curse of the Harrisville farmhouse. And I obviously had not seen the tweet or had not seen, um, the Facebook saying that they were going to talk about the devil's rocking chair. So was a little surprised when I, I DVR'd it. I'm going to be honest with you. I watched it on DVR because I knew there were going to be an extreme amount of commercials and I didn't want to sit through them. So I DVR'd this. And so when I turned on my DVR and I just totally wasn't expecting to see Aaron and Zach, um, open up with another case of the Warrens. Um, Ed and Lorraine Warren um, investigated the Devil's Rocking Chair, and Zach bought that from um, the gentleman whose brother 
they mentioned and showed a picture of that ended up getting the demon inside of him and murdering um, some people. They actually bought it off his brother. This rocking chair was never owned by Ed or Lorraine Warren, and a lot of people get confused about that. So, for them to open up and... Zach to open up the door at the Haunted Museum and say that they were going to get that out and set in it. I was like, okay, what? What do you... I thought this was about the Conjuring House. And so, was just a little confused, but um, realized pretty quick that that was going to be the teaser. Uh, like last year's 2018... Uh, live special that they did at the Haunted Museum. The teaser all through that that two-hour special was whether Zach was going to open the Dybbuk box or not. So this was going to be the teaser through this episode was were they actually going to take a chance and set in the devil's rocking chair? So as soon as I realized that, I was like, oh, okay, gotcha. And so um, then they quickly started the episode. Um, like I mentioned in the first part of this, I have not seen the movie. I am an extreme scaredy cat and do not do horror scary movies. I was a little bit nervous about watching this because um, I had seen on Twitter where Zach had said that the, you know that this was going was an awful case and and I had heard that Andrea Perron was going to be there and that Carl and Keith uh, Johnson were going to be there. And I'm familiar with them through watching the first season of Ghost Hunters. So, um, kind of knew a little bit about it, and I realized that I need to research this. I also realized through watching this that I probably need to research the Warrens. So, upcoming in this Paranormal Review podcast... We're we're not only going to do some paranormal shows like Destination Fear, The Holzer Files, um, Ghost Nation, and Ghost Hunters, and the Tennessee Wraith Chasers, and stuff like that. I think I'm going to eventually maybe get into the Warrens and some of their cases. Because I find it extremely interesting that there's really two sides of this as far as are the Warrens hoaxes and do they make up stuff and then are they legitimate and are they real and with Hans Holzer are they like the paranormal pioneers and did they kind of start this whole thing so um the skeptic in me kind of wants to find a little bit more about that. So, uh, Ghost Adventure starts off, and, and Zach starts saying, you know, in 2013, the Conjuring movie was made, and it was about the Perron family, and that things were, you know, added for effect, and things happened, and he talks about how this is in Rhode Island, 
and that it's a 300-year-old house and property. He goes into the Arnolds and everything that we talked about in the first segment before we went on break. He talks about a lot of the tragedies as far as the murders and suicides and, and all of that. And... I'm not going to go into all that. Like I said, we went into that in the first segment before before I had to take a break. So, going to kind of let that go. But then you see JAC, the Ghost Adventurers crew. They come walking out. And I have to admit, I I like the original GAC better. I I like Nick Aaron and Zach. Um, like I said, I got into that because of the original three, their relationship together, how they interacted together, how they did a lot of the things they did. Um, I felt that they were interested in history and research and seeing if something was true or not, trying to even come up with a way of debunking it, uh, come up with a way of proving that the paranormal exists. I feel like somewhere along the way, they kind of lost that, and... And I'm a little disappointed in that. I still enjoy the show. I'm not a hater. I don't want you guys to think that I'm a hater. I still enjoy the TV show. Um, they they have some really um, great pictures and cinematography and photographs and filming and production i love billy i think he it was a great addition to the gac crew and so um i have always felt like he is real he is semi-normal and that he doesn't blow things out of proportion that he's kind of the leveling factor I feel like Aaron can get a little bit dramatic. That's his personality, though. Um, Aaron is the funny man. He um, a lot of times makes a joke or is funny when he's scared or nervous or something like that. Um, Jay, I'm sorry for all you Jay fans out there that are listening to this. I am not a Jay fan. I think Jay is weird and he is creepy. And this episode only proves that more and more to me. So I I really liked, you know, them walking out and kind of talking and, you know, kind of giving us the feel of the property of the house, the history and everything. But the thought ran through my mind, did they all have to be in black? I mean, from head to toe, all four of them in black. And I was like, come on, we're, we're going a little overboard. Can we dress a little bit more natural or can we dress a little more normal? When I see pictures of Aaron and Billy, they are in t-shirts constantly. So I want th- if they want to wear black t-shirts, hey, cool, whatever. But you know, I I I want them in normal clothes, and I don't want it, you know, this to be something for TV. And then I took a look at Zach, and I was like, what are you wearing? And at first, 
I thought it was a black sweater vest. I really did. I thought, does that have silver buttons on it and it's a sweater vest? And then as he got closer and they showed him kind of close up, I lost my focus because I was concentrating on what he was wearing. And I thought, is he wearing like a robe type shirt? And then I figured out it's a jacket. And he's got it buttoned up, and I noticed it's got silver buttons on his arms, and I was like, Zach, dude, I know you're always trying to make, you know, this big fashion statement when you go through the earlier episodes of Ghost Adventures. Um, you're still going, Zach, what are you wearing? But it's not this bad, so I'm hoping this season is not going to be like this. I understand this was the Halloween special, and they were trying to make it special, and Zach, um, just wearing this jacket is going to get on my nerves the whole episode, because this is a multiple-day investigation, and Zach wears that every day so i was like oh i i i'm sorry i just hate it because when he does stuff like this i i get off track and i lose myself and i don't watch the episode and then i have to rewind it and i forget about the history and stuff so we're gonna get back on track um we meet Corey and Jennifer Heisman, and they talk about going through the process of buying the house, and that their son uh, saw uh, a black mass, and how he had to go elsewhere and stay for about two weeks. That we meet Bill Brock, um, and he talks about seeing this black mist uh, kind of appear, and that he was a skeptic, but now he's not real sure. We meet Lieutenant Carlo, and he talks about having to come out to the area after the movie, and then we finally, somebody talks Kyler uh, Heinzen which is the son, into coming out and talking. And basically all he does is verify, yeah, I saw this black shadow, and it bothered me because I didn't know what it was, and I just wanted to go back home. And I was like, okay, that was short and very quick. And I was thinking, we have two hours. Let's slow this down a little bit. Uh, why... You know, why are we not interviewing these people more? And then I thought, well, they'll bring them back. Because, you know, that's one of Ghost Adventures' tactics is they bring them back later, maybe in the investigation, or they talk to them a little more. Because we have Andrea Perron show up. And, um... She tells us that, you know, she's wrote books, and like I said in the first segment, she's wrote three books. She's a lecturer. She's at different conventions and talks about things, and um, she got on my nerves just a little bit in the beginning because... You know, she sucks up to Zach and talks about how he's brought millions of people to the paranormal. And while that may be true, um, I wish she wouldn't have done it just to Zach. Aaron's there also. 
And Aaron's been there, you know, since the beginning. And if Zach has brought millions to the paranormal, guess what? Aaron has to. And so Aaron deserves some credit. Um, also, Nick Roth. But I wish she would have mentioned Billy and Jay and Aaron because, you know, they're standing there. Um, that it was all of them that have really um, opened this TV show up and gotten people to start watching. So, um, she got them on Earth just a little bit sucking up. Then she kind of goes in to her dig uh, almost at Ed and Lorraine Warren and talks about how... 40 years after the fact, which would have been um, in the, the 2010s, um, she doesn't mention, you know, what year, that Lorraine Warren actually told her that they were in over their heads and that they didn't even know it. And I think that's a really telling thing that she says Lorraine has said that I'm interested to see what Ed and Lorraine's daughter says or their son-in-law Tony Spare says about this or even their nephew John Zaffis says about this um because Ed and Lorraine have passed and you know they're not able to defend themselves um she talks a little bit about how her mother almost died because Lorraine brought the medium in and then she kind of immediately wants to go into where the seance happened and she kind of mentions kind of quickly that you know her dad kicked the warrens out and but doesn't really go into it or maybe she did go into it and they cut that part out i i, I don't know i think the thing that i noticed here was zach puts on a mask now, I know in the first segment that I talked about, Corey Heisman said that the house was a little dusty and he was talking about orbs and everything. And I know Zach has asthma, but I, I was a little shocked that Corey has owned this house for about three or four months and that it's still so dusty that um, Zach has to put on a mask. So... I, I was a little like, um, Zachary, sure, but he did put on a mask. Uh, seems like you can hear him a little bit better in these masks. So hopefully they've learned to mic him a little better when he has the masks on or he's got a different type of mask since this is the start of their, their new season. Um... Andrea goes into telling them the Bathsheba story and, um, you know, that she had lived from 1812 to 1885. And Andrea says that she believes that Bathsheba does have something to do with the problems that they have in this house. And the thing that I kept thinking the whole entire time that they're in this seance room talking to Andrea is why are the lights not on? You're interviewing somebody. Um, you're not in the middle of an investigation. Um, why are the lights not on? 
Um, I just feel like that's something that you would do. You walk in a room, you turn on the light, and would kind of give us a nice picture of the room. You notice in this episode, they really don't have the lights on at all. And there's electricity in the house. And so I was a little... Not confused, but I guess a little irritated. I wanted to be able to see the house. I wanted to see what a 300-year-old house kind of looks like. Um, I Actually, I'll admit to you, because I knew that there were cameras there that Corey had put up, I can't imagine him going and taking all of these cameras down. So I wanted the lights on. So I wanted to be able to see Corey's cameras. I was shocked that Ghost Adventures didn't mention them. I'm shocked that Ghost Adventures didn't use them. But um, just really weird. And then, you know, Andrea changes. And Zach starts the first of his feelings. And I was just like okay, you feel cold, and I was surprised that he immediately asked for an EMF detector, and he he documented the changes by the staircase by placing the EMF detector, or the EMF detector, sorry, um, up against the wall, and documenting that it was, you know, right around 1, 1. 1.5, and then moving it out, and it going up, and things like that. Now, what I wanted him to do is stop. I wanted the lights to be on, and I wanted him to investigate there. Because what I wanted to know, is there a camera there? that was causing that EMF fluctuation because it was in a doorway going up the staircase. So did Corey have wires running or a camera there to document going up the staircase or into the room, the seance room that they were in? I wanted Zach to investigate that, and um, Andrea kind of interrupts a little bit and talks about as a little kid, she remembers hearing noises and footsteps and voices, and that, you know, they had their bedrooms upstairs, and that her sister came over and climbed in bed with her and said that she'd heard a voice that said there were seven dead soldiers that were buried in the wall. And then they're kind of in the library and the seance room. They're kind of in between them. And Zach starts getting angry and he starts feeling angered towards Andrea. And, you know, she starts mentioning that Ed and Lorraine came in with an entourage and how um, they kind of tried to take over. She mentions the date of uh, 1980. And so I go back to our first segment when we were talking about talking about talking to Corey and Corey mentioned that Ed and Lorraine started in 1971 
And Andrea mentions 1980. And so she doesn't mention that there's this nine, ten year investigation process that Ed and Lorraine are going into. They start playing clips of Roger talking about the seance in a recording and how he said that Lorraine felt that um, Andrea's mother, Carolyn, was oppressed and that she might be getting, you know, possessed. And I... I just felt like the Perons were doing dig after dig at Ed and Lorraine, and they had this problem before Ed and Lorraine even showed up, so you can't blame it that they brought it or they conjured it or whatever, because they didn't. So, I I don't know why the dig, why the anger. I don't know if it's because Ed and Lorraine um, did the movies and maybe the Perons didn't get money or I, I don't know what it is. I, like I said, need to do some research and kind of find out. But back to Ghost Adventures. You know, over a 20-minute period, Zach starts getting more and more angry. His... Um, he says his mind starts going wild. Uh, Billy says he's blacking out and he's lost time. Uh, Jay starts talking about how there's dark figures around him. And as soon as he says it, Zach says, me too, and jumps on that bandwagon. And the only thing I'm thinking is, where is Aaron? Where's Aaron? Um, the only thing I have to figure out is maybe Aaron was running the camera or he wasn't feeling anything. So they didn't go to him. I, that's the only thing that I was kind of thinking was, oh my gosh, where is Aaron? So, um, I don't know. I was just, just, I guess, kind of shocked. So then they immediately go to day two. And um, day two uh, starts off showing Corey's cell phone footage of um, a light flashing on and off, on and off, on and off. And it's in Andrea Perron's old bedroom. And that's how you know the house has electricity. But anyway, it's flashing on and off. And then we get introduced to what they call two young demonologists, Carl and Keith Johnson. Um, they don't say, oh, by the way, they were 17 years old at the time. They just say that it was 46 years ago in 1973 that they, you know, that they were kind of brought in and that when they came in the house for the first time, they had a lot of magnetic kind of electric feelings and that Carl saw bl black mass and that Keith said Jesus one time and, you know, the window slammed and I, you know, they're, they're talking to them and kind of getting, you know, getting to know them or whatever. And my first thought is Zach, you're in the same outfit. 
you are in the same exact outfit you were yesterday. So, was this taped all at one time? Is all the outside stuff taped at one time? Or did you wear the same exact outfit? And then, like I said, I kind of realized he was in a jacket. And maybe he just put the same jacket on. But, um, they start showing him walk up there. And... Um, they do that drone shot, and I think that's really cool of them walking and seeing them, and of course you see that all of them are in black, and, um, they see this black mass, uh, in a screen, in the screen enclosure of the porch, and that Carl and Zach both see it, and, um, Carl and Zach both kind of get the same idea. We need to start investigating. We're not going to do a walkthrough. We're not going to talk to them. We're not going to get their story. We don't want to hear their history or anything. Let's just start investigating. So you see Carl with his old recorder that you remember from the first season of Ghost Hunters. And he has his little microphone. And um, Aaron brings in um, a tri-field meter, and it starts going up. Zach's taking Polaroids. They go upstairs, and Zach starts feeling cold chills. He starts having bad feelings, and then he's taking more pictures, and Carl starts feeling, you know, cold, and they're moving their hands around and both Carl and Zach are feeling this cold feeling and I don't know what it was but that scene and I use the word scene on purpose I felt like that wasn't real and I don't know why I don't know if it's because I'm a skeptic I don't know because it's a TV show I just got the feeling that Zach and Carl were feeding off of each other. I got the feeling that they were acting. Um, I don't know why. And if you disagree with me, feel free to write me or, uh, you know, come in our group. Our Facebook group is Nick Roth, Portals to Hell, Viddy, and Ghost Adventures. That's the name of it. Feel free to come in there and and discuss it with us. But I just, I don't know. I got this feeling that it was fake. And Carl immediately says, is, it, is there a young child here? Maybe there's a young little child here. And he's feeling around and Zach hollers for Billy to bring, you know, the trifield meter up and it's going up and they holler at Keith to come up and Aaron is sitting down holding his head um Carl says he feels like someone doesn't want him there and so Keith finally says a prayer and they hear a growl and I just barely heard something I'm not sure that it was a growl. I kind of wish they would have amplified it. I know that a lot of people say, oh, Ghost Adventures is fake because they amplify things. Well, that may be true, but I wanted to hear it, so I wanted it amplified. They had the technology to do that. Uh, you know, play it normal 
the one time and then amplify it so that I can hear it. Um, so that kind of sends them into like a little commercial break. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a break. Uh, I want to get another drink. Before I do that, I, I mentioned that you can come and talk to us. Um, you can always, if you're listening on another podcatcher, you may be on Google Play or Pocket Casts or Stitcher or Spotify or, or Apple or something like that. If you go to the Anchor website and you look up wv overtime uh you will find us it has a voice message button on there and you can leave a voice message you can actually record what you're thinking and we can play it or you can email us at wv overtime at gmail.com our social media both instagram and Facebook or WV Overtime. You can tweet me at Overtime WV. Or, like I said, you can come to our paranormal Facebook group. It is called Nick Groff Portals to Hell Viddy Ghost Adventures. In that group, people are always posting different things. We talk about different shows. We talk about um, different things that are in the news. Or um, we have some paranormal investigator experts on there that are talking about equipment or something like that. We have some people that are on TV or on the radio and do their own shows that talk about stuff. Uh, Like I said, the owner of the Hensdale house is in there. Um, So feel free to come and talk to us somewhere. But right now, let's just take a break. Hey, this is Sam with West Virginia Overtime. We're doing a paranormal review on Ghost Adventures, and we're on day two. Um, Ghost Adventures has just went on a commercial, and it flips back to Zach and Aaron at the Haunted Museum, and they say Jay's behind the camera, and Aaron is the smartest one in the room. Because Zach says, hey, we're going to get this chair out and I'm going to put on a mask because the cushions are really dusty. And Aaron is like, um, yeah, not doing it. I'm not touching that thing. I'm not sitting in it. I'm not having anything to do with it. And so Zach is like, well, Jay, will you help? And, and of course, Jay helps him get the rocking chair out and... Aaron is more than happy to take over video in it. And that's kind of how they leave it. So, um, they start back at a nerve center and you see that they do something that I've never seen them do before as far as, um, Zach talks about how many cameras that they've set up and how they've set up mics in all the rooms and they've set up X cams and how everybody's going to sit down and put on headphones and listen to the mics. And I'm wondering if this is Corey's nerve center if they're listening to actually Corey's mics and his cameras and and things like that but 
you know, they're in it, and Zach hears some creaking of chairs, and they decide, well, hey, we're starting it. So they immediately start investigating, and Zach wants to do a spirit box section, uh, session throughout the house. Um, they don't get any voices. I am very thankful that they did not show very much of that spirit box. I hate it. Um, now, people that I've heard that actually go on investigations have said um, that they enjoy the spirit box. Every TV show that has one that does the... <laughs> was that a good impression? But they do that. It drives me insane. I don't know how you can sit and listen to that. So, I really like uh, the boxes that do not have a lot of the crackling and stuff. So, I was pretty thankful that they didn't do that spirit box session, um, you know, too long. So, then you see Billy doing um, the camera session that he does in the kitchen, and he catches a black mask coming in front of him and they kind of break that down um they slow-mo it and everything and i'm not sure what that was um i know some of you out there can probably debunk that or or maybe think what that was but um i'm i'm not sure what that could could have been um i really wish they would have taken a little bit more time with it but no they um want to start they send um carl and aaron into the basement and Billy and Zach go upstairs with the SLS camera. Now, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you every time, I hate the SLS camera. Um, after I found out kind of what it was, that it was an Xbox kinetic camera, um, and that it basically maps these figures um up against any vertical well let me let me rephrase that it's not any vertical surface it is the nearest vertical surface um i hate these things because i feel like you can't trust them um so it shows these two figures um you know, in a doorway, and of course, one is on one doorway side, and the other one is on the other doorway side, and so I, I don't trust them, and so, you know, Zach sits down, and these two figures pop up, and of course, you know, uh, Billy is, is, you know, getting this, and, and once Zach to immediately come see it. In the meantime, Carl and Aaron are downstairs. Carl notices there's water coming through the wall. Well, it's a 300-year-old house. Um, and then he immediately goes over to where the well is and opens it up. Um, he feels an emotional response, but doesn't, you know, get any 
evidence of it or anything, um, you're going to find in this that they're going to have a lot of personal experiences and emotional responses, but not get a whole lot of evidence that they can break down or that they could even debunk. So as Carl is feeling, you know, needles in his hand and everything after walking upstairs and meeting Zach, um, Zach starts feeling bad, and so Aaron and Carl go up, and they sit at a table, and immediately Carl starts inviting things in, and, you know, wants people, wants something to show that it's there. And so, you hear Zach say, well, everybody starts feeling it right then. You know, Zach starts feeling worse. Um, you know, he then says something that I'm not sure all of you catch. And it was um, real enlightening, maybe, to me. Because it's during a voiceover. It's not him actually saying something on camera. It's a voiceover. He says that on day one, when he was with Andrea, he felt something enter him. Well, that's funny because if you rewind it and watch day one with Andrea, he does not mention that. He does not say that. He does not act like that. But on day two, when he says he starts feeling bad, again, while they're standing there, they do not show him acting that way. They don't show him feeling or saying that something's entering him. But on the voiceover, he says that he felt something enter him when he was with Andrea and that he's feeling kind of that way. He stomps his foot and he's um, leaning over. He says he starts feeling, you know, something strong. Uh, Carl's being uh, affected. Billy's starting to feel energy around him. You know, Zach has to command it to speak to him. Um, Aaron is reacting a little bit. And then you hear Carl saying, you know, don't leave, don't leave, and starts breathing hard, and he's leaning on the table. Aaron ends up leaving the room. Um, Carl keeps saying, don't leave, don't leave. And Keith comes in and gets Carl, you know, out of the room and says a blessing over him. And Carl says that he feels this black cloud kind of come over him. Well, then they immediately say that they've been taking Polaroids and that they have 200 Polaroids. And I'm thinking, when? Who was taking those? And when were, when were you taking them? And when did you find time to go through them all? But um, they found a black mass on the floor 
and Billy says it's where he felt something when he was doing his camera in the kitchen and the black mask went in front of his face. Um, then Zach shows two photos and he says that they were taken, you know, pretty close together, just apart. And he says this can't be debunked. Well, yeah, yeah, it can. See, I used to be a child protective service investigator, and I know a little bit about Polaroids. If you flip them over, they have numbers on them. The film does. And so he could have debunked that really easy or proven it rather easily by taking five photos showing the numbers and say the number was 10110. He could have showed 10110, 10111, 10112, 10113, 10114, so on, so on, and showed us the numbers on them and then in the same camera shot just flipped them over a set of five and showed Two pictures, there was no black mass. The middle picture, there's black mass. And then two pictures, no black mass. To me, then, yes, people could say, oh, the Polaroids weren't taken at the same exact time or one right after another. Yes, they could say that. But at least... If he would have showed us a set of five that had the numbers on the back, then flipped them over, showed it, it would have at least, with the timestamp and everything, showed me it, a little bit better proof that there was an actual black mass on the floor. So... I was a little irritated with that. So we immediately then go to day three. And again, it looks like they're wearing the same clothes. And I, I just, I am hating on that jacket with silver buttons. I'm sorry. Uh, Zach explains it's going to be the four of them. Uh, no one else. They're not going to have an, a nerve center. They're going to investigate the property. They're going to set up you know, X cameras in the house and let them roll. Again, I'm going to point out, Corey already has cameras. Just let those roll. Um, but, you know, as they're doing the X camera, Zach is setting up a camera upstairs. Um, he doesn't have it rolling yet. He doesn't have um, it set up. So there is no video of this. But, um Zach feels like something is attacking him in his kidney area, so he starts hollering, and he, it's in the room that was flickering when Corey showed the cell phone footage, and then Zach immediately just starts feeling energized, and he's not hurting anymore, and he starts telling um, the entity that it, that attacked him that they don't have permission to attack.
attack him or to touch him or to hurt him or anything. So he says that and then immediately tells Billy, well, go over there and you walk in the same area. Well, if I was Billy, I would been like, um, no one has permission to touch me. But I understand what they're, they're trying to get is, does, does you know, something else happen to, to Billy. So we see Billy walking across the hallway into the room, and then he immediately goes out of picture frame. So we can't see him. And so he starts hollering that he sees a black mass outside. He doesn't think it's an animal. And we hear this deep growl. So we hear, you know, Zach immediately tell Jake, go outside, uh, start filming, look around and see if you can find anything. Because they all have to get their equipment and they take a thermal camera and they go to set up motion detector cameras. And I don't understand motion detector cameras because I feel like our technology on motion detector cameras are when maybe something solid hits those motion detectors, then the cameras turn on. Well, if it is this black mass or mist or shadow or whatever that everybody has been talking about, I don't know that motion detector cameras will actually work. So I didn't like that idea as far as that. And then, you know, in the first segment, I told you guys that this house has a pond. It's located beside of a river. Um, it is numerous acres. But Zach has never said that. Ghost Adventures episode never said anything about the history or the layout of the land or anything. But all of a sudden, Zach comes up with the creek has something. The creek has something to do with it, and this, let's use our new piece of equipment, which is a parabolic mic and a thermal camera down near the creek. He talks about how Corey has found a gravestone in the creek area, and he wants to go down there. Now, I know a lot of the old-time um paranormal investigators use a parabolic mic. I also know there are some skeptics that say don't use a parabolic mic just because it picks up everything and it's very hard to debunk. So I don't I don't know what to think about that. But while they're getting ready to do this, um, Zach tells us he has turned his phone off uh, but it it starts to ring in his pocket, so he gets it out, and he has a text message that says, Are you dead? Now, he shows that twice on camera, and if you stop the tape, you can see below that that there is another message. And so, I 
kind of need to know more information about that. Billy makes the comment that it came from an unknown caller ID, but I still, I wanted to know more about that. Um, I really wish that they could have recalled that, um, you know, using the star 67 and just immediately called that number back to see if someone would pick up. Um, I wanted them to do a phone search later on to see if there was any way they could get that number or any anything like that. I wanted them to go along with that. Well, anyway, the parabolic mic, it picks up a voice, um, but, you know, I didn't think that it was very clear. They say that it wasn't on camera. Uh, Zach starts using the binocular infrareds. He catches a light. Then he sees a black mass in the mirror, and he, or, or excuse me, a black mass in the windows, and he pans back and forth, and they do spend some time on that. Um, the X cameras that were in that room, they say caught nothing. And then Aaron says, oh, it's in the library, which is one of the places that, you know, has obviously been giving them problems. So they go to commercial. So, they come back, and they're at the Haunted Museum again, and it's just more teases um, before they show more commercials. It's, you know, Zach telling you that they're going to set in the devil's rocking chair, and then they go back to everybody kind of, you know, going back inside, and... Zach says everyone starts feeling drained, confused, and Zach even makes the comment that he feels like he can't think. Well, I wish they would make a comment that says, so we took a 15-minute break. But they don't do that, so I'm left to assume that they just think it's a great idea for them to immediately start the intercom device. Now, he doesn't explain this device. As far as I know, they haven't used this device. And Zach says that he feels like he's in a trance. And so, you know, if everyone's feeling drained, confused, I can't think, he feels like he's in a trance, well, I don't know that this is necessarily the time that he needs to be running the investigation. I feel like someone else should kind of take this part over. But in the intercom device, they hear, forgive for me. Now, I heard forgive. I didn't hear the for me part. I don't know what you guys heard. Uh, feel free to comment. Free, feel free to, to tell me that. And then it says leave. I didn't hear leave. I didn't hear anything. Um, I hear fuzziness, but I did not hear leave very clear. So feel free to to contact me on one of our social media pages or join our Facebook group and and tell me if you heard things. But um, then they say the intercom 
has starts having weird interf- interference that they've never had before. Well, I want to know. I haven't seen this this being used, and so I want to know how many times have you used this in the past, and for you not to have any interference, or who was this made by, or are other people using this? What made them say, well, we're getting interference and we've never had it before? But anyway, this is when Aaron starts having sharp pains in his chest, and he sits down, and the rest of them don't get real excited. Me, um, when you have sharp pains in your chest, I have a tendency to get excited. If someone I'm close to has sharp pains in their chest, I have a tendency to get excited. So, I I was a little upset about that. Now, I know Aaron said that it was more in the bone, that he, he didn't feel like it was in his skin, but I still would have been a little bit um, concerned. Well, what does Zach do? Zach thinks this is the time to start provoking. His good friend is having sharp pains in his chest, so Zach immediately says, why don't you do something bigger? Now, I'm saying that in quotation marks, because that's what Zach says. Well, something bigger to me, and if I'm dead and a ghost or a demon or whatever, something bigger to me is I'm already giving Aaron some sharp pains in his chest. Hey, why don't I kill him? Is that what Zach wanted done? Now, his second thing right after that is move something in the house. So, I don't think that that's what he meant, but I don't think he chose his words, you know, fully. Um, I'm, I'm really, though, upset that Aaron's feeling these sharp pains and Zach's starting provoking. Immediately, Zach starts seeing a dark, dark shadow that went left to right. As he's looking, you know, downstairs, the downstairs cameras actually pick up, um, they're going darkness. They didn't debunk this. They did not go outside to see if anything changed out there as far as the lighting or the motion cameras that they've set up. Um, they didn't check to see if there was a car passing by or, or anything like that. little disappointed in that. But after these sharp pains in his chest, Aaron immediately starts questioning, hey, this is getting risky. Um, exactly what are we trying to prove? Um, Aaron says the comments that I've never heard him say. He says, I think this might be beyond us. And follows up with, if something's here, what are we going to do? And that's been the the 
comment that a lot of people say about Ghost Adventures is they're not really trained to get rid of things, to make things change, or anything. They've always been about trying to document stuff and prove that the paranormal actually exists. And so to see Aaron think and say, this is beyond us, um, really interested me. Um, I, I was then kind of questioning myself, you know, is this beyond them? Well, while I was thinking of that, Zach comes out with, oh, Jay wants to do a conjuring ritual. Well, guess what? That doesn't surprise me a bit. Because remember, I told you I'm not a Jay fan. I think he is weird. I think he is creepy. He is into the occult. He is into rituals. He's been reading. And he's been wanting to do this stuff for the last couple seasons of Ghost Adventures. And he has been pushing Zack more and more to dark places and to demons. And I don't like it. Um... I couldn't believe that, number one, Jay wanted to do a conjuring ritual. And then Zach brings up, well, there's a family that lives here. Well, really? Sherlock? Really? You figured that one out? Well, Jay says, well, maybe we should talk to the family. So, um... Zach's next question is, well, can you close it? You know, if you do the do the ritual, can, can you close it? Have you learned how to do that, you know? And Jay's like, absolutely. So, um, Zach calls Corey up, and it's like between 2 and 3 a.m. in the morning. So, I'm wondering... Has Jay thought of this before? You know, did Jay just think this up? Or has Jay been preparing for this? Because I find it really convenient that, you know, they call Corey. He doesn't sound asleep. He says, you know, go for it. And Jay has all the stuff. Jay has the bowl, he has uh, the stuff that he's going to do the ritual with, he has the salt, he has everything there and ready. So I have a funny feeling that this was planned. And I really wish they would have just came out and said that. But I do find it interesting that Zach chooses Aaron to go with Jay to do this conjuring ritual when Aaron's just had chest pains and has said, I think this is beyond us. I think this is getting risky. Now, you know, to everyone's benefit, I will will listen to your argument that Aaron's a big boy and he could have said no. But he does. He goes right on down there and they decide to do the ritual in the basement where everybody says there's a portal on the open well. And um, Zach and Billy go upstairs 
And so they hear the library camera picking up some dishes moving, but um, they don't really go in there to investigate or anything. Zach goes up to Andrea's uh, old bedroom, and Billy sits down at the dining room table with his bike to the kitchen. So we see Jay starting the ritual. Uh, They have obviously did um, Salt Circle as protection for this ritual. Uh, I know that from um, some fiction books that I have read. So if you are a person that does rituals or are a witch or anything like that, feel free to contact us and correct us or to tell us, you know, more about this ritual. But from what I understand is you do circles in order to protect yourself and say a ritual so that nothing can come into the circle to harm you. We're going to talk about this more in a minute. But anyway, uh, Billy's uh, temperature gauge starts climbing, and Zach's got the ovulus, and he's getting words like cellar, lasting, and blaze. Um, So he feels that is connected to the ritual they're doing. Well... Zach's not down there, so exactly how does Zach know what they're doing? Now, it immediately pans to Jay and Aaron, who are lighting things on fire. But how does Zach know that? So, did they explain the ritual to Zach? Again, was this planned? Um... So, I'm I'm a little confused, but uh, then Billy starts hearing noises and voices in the kitchen. He starts hearing pacing in the, uh, the seance room. Um, Aaron, who's downstairs, hears this bang, and Billy says that he is frozen in fear. Uh, he feels like he can't get up. He doesn't want to search the house um but he eventually does get up he finds zach zach looks weird uh then we hear billy start questioning things about you know should we be doing this kind of stuff and uh zach says he doesn't feel real good Billy says, I don't want to be in this room. And then Billy says that something takes two steps and lunges at him. And on his camera, he shows hangers moving. Well, I I wanted them to debunk this. Because... Um, they use this as someone took two steps and lunged at Billy, and therefore the hangers are moving. Well, Billy also moved. So, 
with this being an old house, I wanted them to debunk, settle the hangers down, and then have someone move quickly, do the hangers move because of the floor or because of the shaking of the house. And of course, they did not debunk this part. So I I was, you know, a little, I don't know, um, confused, frustrated that, that they weren't doing that. So um, they end up back in, in nerve center and um jay comes upstairs to find billy and zach and why he didn't look in nerve center i don't know but he says that he heard something upstairs and so he called out for them and then went upstairs and he heard nothing and he felt like he entered another world and so that is kind of leading you down the path that there's a portal now remember in the first segment I told you that uh, years ago Andrea Perron said that she believed there was a portal in the house. She said this on 222's Paranormal Podcast. And so they're kind of leading you to believe that. Well, Zach, while Jay is saying that he felt this way, says, um, dude, where's Aaron? And Jay says, well, he's sitting down there in the circle he won't leave it. I haven't closed it, but he won't leave it. Well, let's go back to that circle. Remember I told you that a lot of people make a salt circle and they say a ritual. They say some kind of uh, chant. Um, they say a prayer or whatever. And that circle is supposed to protect you and not allow anything to come in. Well, the thing is, is you're not supposed to get out of the circle. So Aaron's actually doing the right thing by not getting out of the circle. The problem with this is Jay did. So technically Jay broke the circle. And so Aaron's really not protected, if I'm understanding correctly. Like I said, feel free to hit us up on social media. Come in to Nick Groff, Viddy, Portals to Hell, and Ghost Adventure Facebook group and tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm right because um, that irritates me that Jay broke the circle and didn't close it. And then Jay says, well, I don't know if I've entered, uh, opened up some kind of portal or what. Billy's response is probably. And Jay says, I feel like my reality isn't really reality. I don't know if I'm truly here or not. 
Well, Zach does the first smart thing that I've heard him do in a long time, and he says, um, Jay, go close that down. You, you need to, uh, go immediately downstairs. You need to close that down. He reassures us that they cleaned up and that Jay got all the ashes. And, of course, he took them outside on the property and buried them. And I don't know if that's what you're supposed to do or not. I don't know whether you're supposed to put them in water. I don't know if you're supposed to actually put them on the property where you did it or you're supposed to take them somewhere else or you're supposed to take them to a church or you're supposed to bury them on consecrated ground. I don't know what you're supposed to do with them. I have no idea. But for some reason that just hit me wrong and I was just like, I don't get this. But at this time, they decided to um, end the episode uh, with Jay Barry and stuff and them saying, you know, they had some personal experiences, but they don't follow up with anybody. It doesn't show them talking to Corey and Jennifer the next day. It doesn't show them reviewing footage. It doesn't show them trying to debunk anything nothing it immediately just kind of switches over to um the devil's rocking chair and we see that they have the devil's rocking chair out zach is explaining why he has the mask on because it's dusty and he's trying to pump himself up as in he keeps saying this over and over i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this jay offers hey i'll do it and zach's like no no i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and he sits down and he says I don't feel anything. And he sits there, and then he immediately jumps up out of there like he's been shot. And it makes sense because Zach says that he feels like he got a jolt or some kind of shock in his back. He describes it to one of those buzzers that you put in your hand and you go to shake somebody's hand and it gives them a little jolt he doesn't appear to be scared or anything like that he appears to be shocked and um so he says you know jay why don't you sit in it to kind of compare so jay sits down and he says you know i'm feeling relaxed i don't even want to get up I'm starting to feel energized. I'm, I'm feeling really good. Which to me, and you can argue with me all you want. Again, I'm going to say, I feel like Jay is weird and creepy. So, of course, he enjoys this rocking chair. But whatever. Uh, Zach is like, no, no. I want you to set up. And then I want you to get up and move. Because I want to see if that rocking chair moves. So he does that, and Zach says, you know, if you're a demon, if you're part of this rocking chair, move it. And, of course, the rocking chair's not moving, and Zach continues to provoke, and um, it doesn't move. 
and Jay says that he is still feeling weird, he's feeling jittery, but yet he still feels energized and a little overwhelmed. Um, you know, Zach says he, you know, doesn't feel anything. So, um, they both say, hey, uh, check our Twitter, and if we have any problems, you'll be the first to know. Well, it has now been eight hours after they did that, and there is nothing on Twitter. Um, so, either they didn't want to update us and say nothing's going on, or... Um, you know, something did happen and they haven't been able to update us. But there's nothing on Twitter at this moment. So, let's kind of wrap this up. And I'm going to say um, I, I enjoyed the scenery. I enjoyed seeing Andrea Perot or Perron. Um, I had never seen her, and so I was interested in how she would act. Um, I was glad to see Carl and Keith Johnson again. Um, wish they would have planned this a little better, had it set up maybe a little better, debunked some things a little better. Overall, it's a typical um, Ghost Adventures investigation. Um they had a lot of personal experiences, which is what most ghost investigators or paranormal investigators will tell you that happens. Um, I didn't feel like they got a lot of evidence. I didn't feel like um, they can truly say something is there. I think it needs more time. I'm hoping Corey keeps up the cameras and keeps people updated. Hope he gets it open to investigators and it can really become a research place and we can see if there is something truly there or if something truly what maybe was there and has now moved on. I don't know um, the history of the place that I found in the podcast. I felt was way more interesting and exciting than the actual episode. And I, 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 for that, um, I think I'm a little disappointed. I am also disappointed that, that this was a two-hour special. There were so many commercials, and I felt like I still didn't get a great investigation. And that's what I was truly wanting. So, whether you agree or you disagree, feel free to hit me up. Again, you can email me at wvovertime at gmail.com. Our social media is wvovertime at Instagram and Facebook. Our Twitter is at overtimewv. Or you can join our Facebook group that is paranormal only. Uh, it's Nick Groff, Portals to Hell, Viddy, and Ghost Adventures. Feel free to, to join up and talk about this. Uh, we'll probably be talking about it for a little while. And like I said, we discuss um, other paranormal shows and other things that, that are going on. So feel free to 
to let me know and feel free to su- subscribe to this podcast uh, we are going to continue with this paranormal review series but we also have some other topics um, such as um, we deal with middle school and high school sports uh, we talk about coaching we talk about Disney we talk uh, WWE wrestling AWE wrestling um, we're coming up with some more different topics uh if you're interested in something that you want us to do a podcast on or you would like to be interviewed on our podcast about a topic then feel free to give us a contact and i will be talking to you soon